0: Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Hi, thanks for joining me on episode number 221 of the show. Today's topic is going to be all about what I learned as a spectator at the 2013 U.S. Open. I was there just this past week, actually. Today is September 3rd as as I'm recording this. So the, the Open isn't even finished yet, but I, I still want to tell you everything that I kind of took note of while I was watching during the first week of play last week, some some really interesting things that are really directly applicable, uh, applicable <laughs> to you and your tennis as a club player. Before we get to that, really quickly, I just put together a survey that I would really, really appreciate uh, if you took just... 20, 30 seconds It's literally all it will take for you to fill the survey out. It's just four multiple choice questions and one optional uh, question at the end, a fifth question. So uh, if you wouldn't mind going over to com slash survey, that's com slash survey, it'll automatically direct you right to that survey. Just take a few seconds to fill out and the information is going to help me a lot moving forward as far as deciding how long to make the shows how often to do them Um, downloads are starting to pick up a little bit here on the show which I'm really really happy about and so if you could tell me exactly how you would like the show to go it would help me a lot as I decide how to make the show moving forward so with that let's go ahead and get to today's topic sit back relax and get ready for some great tennis instruction All right. Been looking forward to recording this show for a couple days now. I came up with the idea while I was at the Open last week. And speaking of which, I want to give a quick shout out to Amadou, who lives in Brooklyn. He is a, a supporter of a bit, pretty much everything I do at Essential Tennis. And, and he was kind enough to let me stay with him and his family in Brooklyn. And he and I spent several days together at the Open. And just in general around New York City. And actually many of the things that I'm going to talk about today in this episode that have to do with what you can learn from the pros, he and I spent a lot of time talking about while we were watching matches together. And it was actually great to get his insight as a club you know level player. I believe he's playing right around a 4.0 level right now. And uh, so it was great to kind of have him with me the whole time to uh just talk about these different topics and get a, a recreational level player's perspective on things. Not that I'm like way outside that realm. I mean I'm personally playing at a four or five, you know, a strong four or five level right now. At my peak I was playing at a five oh level. Um so so yes that's you know much stronger than than four oh but I'm still really working on many of the same things uh, that most of you are working on as well. Maybe at a little bit different level, but it's it's the same basic stuff. And that actually is a perfect segue into lesson number one. Uh, Three main lessons here that I took away personally. I'm going to have several points under each. And the first lesson that I took away was we all make the same mistakes. And this really is true. Now obviously you know the professional players are making mistakes at a much higher level. I mean, there's <laughs> obviously no doubt about that. They are miles and miles and miles ahead of where I am as a as a four or five player. Uh, much less, you know, somebody just starting out. Uh, and that's one of the things that's so amazing about tennis is there are so many levels and layers to it. It's incre- It's an incredibly deep sport. But in watching the pros up close. It's incredible to see the reaction and, and see the misses that they make. And it's it's really the same kind of things that differentiate a successful shot or a successful set or a successful match and an unsuccessful one. And uh, one specific example of that that Amadou pointed out, I I had actually stepped out to get uh, some water for us. We were watching Rajiv Ram versus, uh, I I didn't write this down, who was he playing? I'm blanking on who his uh, opponent was that day, but Amadou told me, we were sitting in the front row behind the baseline watching Rajiv Ram play, and Amadou said that he missed a shot, relatively easy shot, and he looked down in his racket and yelled, watch the ball. <laughs> and it just struck Amadou. This was a topic we had been talking about earlier in the week, but it just struck Amadou that here's a player that's been on tour for a while, you know, incredibly high-level player, And yet he's telling himself to watch the ball. It comes down to that oftentimes, even for the pros when they make mistakes. Uh, Another example was, I can't remember who we were watching this particular time. Uh, I think it might have been Bernard Tomek, but but he missed a pretty easy sitter. I mean, the ball had bounced on the service line, just kind of set up. This player moved in, you know, for the kill, assumedly, and just missed the shot. And Amadou, you know, asked me, what just happened there? Did he overrun it? Was his footwork off? Was he off balance? I didn't see, I personally didn't see any of those things happen. My answer to him was basically, no, man, he just missed it. (laughs) He just missed the shot. And the fact of the matter is, you know, when you watch professional tennis and you watch a lot of it, you'll realize that they miss routine shots all the time, just like us. I just get the sense that so often those of us that are fans, we kind of get really used to watching the highlight reels, and you know the the replays of like incredible shots hit. And yes, professional players are amazing athletes, and they hit incredible shots all the time. But they also miss routine shots all the time. They really do. And if that that's something that a lot of pu- people, club players, recreational players, I think kind of gloss over and don't really take note of, but it's important to take note of because it's so incredibly um vital that we have good expectations, we that we have healthy expectations of what our tennis should look like. And if we think if we have this kind of picture in our mind of like the perfect player, you know, like Federer in 2007 where he just almost literally beat everybody and was just on fire the entire year like if that's our model for what good tennis should look like then that's just flawed and we're just going to get frustrated so so easily lastly here before i move on to lesson number two serena (laughs) the shot that sticks out for me that falls under this category amadou and i were watching serena and venus play doubles together serena crossed i i think it was on venus's serve serena poached on a uh, kind of a little bit of a floaty return of serve. It still had some pace to it, but not not a lot. And it was up probably about eye height, maybe a little bit higher than that. She crossed and, and took a backhand, two-handed backhand, and took a swinging backhand, which was reasonable for this shot. It had some pace to it, but it wasn't like crushed. She had time. And she mistimed this high volley. And she was close to the net. She mistimed this high volley so badly that she hit the ball directly into the stands behind the baseline. <laughs> uh it's a high, I'm not gonna call it a floater because it did have some pace to it. But I mean, this was a gimme shot by her standards for sure. I mean, truthfully, a pretty gimme shot by my standards, um at a, you know, at a strong four-five level. And she hit this high volley into the stands on a fly. <laughs> I mean, just a huge mistake. I mean, that, that's a shot that a, a club player would make, or a, rather a mistake that a club player would make, and like be embarrassed about it the rest of the day. This is a, one of the most successful women's doubles players of all time. And that's the shot that she even sometimes will hit. So lesson number one, we all make the same mistakes. Be aware of that. And it can be very helpful in being, in having good expectations or healthy expectations. Okay. Lesson number two, there are so many ways to win at tennis. And this was something that Amadou and I really talked about quite a bit, probably most frequently. uh, It was probably the most frequent topic that came up as far as what we were noticing about pro players. We saw so many styles there. And even at the pro level, and and again, I, I feel like there's this big misconception that at the pro level, everybody plays the same. Everybody's standing on the baseline you know, hitting open stance, full western forehand, heavy topspin, grunting loud every shot, and it—you know—this th- is kind of the the stigma that modern professional tennis has had, and it's just not true. I mean, yes, there are players that do fit that stereotype, but there are such there is such a wide variety and a wide array of different styles of play. Just a couple examples of that: we watched Tommy Robredo play for about a set or so. Beautiful game. I love watching him play, especially with the one-handed backhand. That that's we saw so many one-handed backhand players. Amadou was actually commenting on it um on the frequency in which we were seeing a one-handed backhand. Uh, another kind of uh, Stereotype. Everybody thinks that the one-handed backhand is dead. We saw a ton of one-handed backhands, but Robredo has a beautiful one hander He hits with high margin over the net, high percentage tennis. He plays an all-court game. He's very comfortable at the net, and it was just a lot of fun to watch him play. He's so good at so many things, and he plays such a smart and savvy style of tennis. Rarely goes for more than is necessary. And so for me, as somebody who's trying to teach smart tennis to, to club players, a lot of fun for me to watch. I really enjoyed him a, a lot. Um, then we had James Blake, and Blake is kind of famous for a low-percentage game. And the the match that we watched, we watched him play Karlovich, which happened to be his last uh, professional match as, as a singles player anyway. Uh, but Robredo versus Blake, totally different styles. Blake plays the ball much lower to the net, much flatter. Um, also one-handed backhand, but much flatter, lower percentage style of play and is not bashful at all about just going for shots. Then we had Bernard Tomic, <laughs> who you just need to see in person to believe it. Um, and I actually t- talked to Amadou on the phone earlier today, and that's actually kind of the statement he made about, he, he brought up uh, Tomic, and he said, you know, if you had told me, if you had tried to describe to me exactly what he looks like, I literally wouldn't have believed you. Tomic b- plays unbelievably laid back very casual I mean very casual it looks like he's not even trying and yet he's obviously extremely skilled and very good at what he does that's just his style of play he loves to take pace from his opponents and just redirect it and make a challenging shot out of it without looking like he's even trying to hit the ball at all it's really amazing so really kind of a polar opposite style from James Blake And then we saw the Williams sisters play doubles, and it's just the most imposing, dominating, overpowering feeling style of doubles ever. And they play almost completely one up, one back, crush ground strokes. They both crush their serves, and they're right up on top of the net when they're in that net position, very intimidating and extremely offensive. And so yeah, those are those are the four like examples that came to mind for me as far as different styles of play, both singles and doubles examples in there. Some more defensive, some more aggressive, some more classic, some you know more modern. But this is at the pro level, and what the takeaway for you should be, you know, if there's this many styles that can be successful, you know, to one degree or another, within the professional game, how much more. Do you have leeway to play your own style at the club level? I mean, that's really true. You can find success playing just about any style of tennis there is. You don't have to conform to any idealistic, you know, again, kind of going back to we all make make the same mistakes. I feel like so many of us have this idealistic view of what perfect tennis or quote unquote good tennis should look like. And it's just not realistic. So please know that even at the pro level, the game is very Varied. <laughs> There's a lot of different styles, and it's, it's very interesting to watch when you're up close and personal. So that's lesson number two. Lesson number three is something that I bring up quite a bit with my students, and uh, something that I've brought up several times on the show. Probably not in a little while now, and that is tennis is just incredibly hard, <laughs> especially obviously, especially at that level. But do you realize? that only the top 75 or so players uh, on the ATP tour are really making a living at tennis. <clears throat> I mean, if you're at like 100, 150, maybe you're breaking even by the time you pay taxes and you know, you've got all your travel expenses and you got to take some time out for injury and you've got to pay a, you know, a physio or trainer, practice partner, etc. or a coach, you know, etc., etc. If you're not In the top 100, you're you're not making a living. You're just struggling to break even. And if you're outside the top 150, 200, 250, you're losing money. That's hard. That's incredibly difficult. And these, you know, athletes really deserve a lot of respect. Yes, there's a lot of difference. Unfortunately, there's a huge disparity. There's a huge difference between the lower level players and clearly, like a Roger Federer. I mean, there's just no. No comparison, mainly, well, not mainly, it's it's tour winnings as well as the huge amounts of endorsement, you know, deals that he gets. But there's just this huge void between lower level, and I'm talking like 100 <laughs> level players in the top, you know, five or top 10. So the fact that there's only 75 to 100 people really making a living in the world playing tennis just shows how incredibly difficult it is. And a couple of things Amadou and I were talking about, and he reminded me of this morning, it's incredibly hard physically. It's hard work. I mean, just an average rally ball for a professional player uses every major muscle group at high output, and they're doing this for hours and hours and hours a day, over and over again. Both a rally ball and a second serve. Amadou was commenting on on second serves. I mean, there is no slowing down of the body and of acceleration on a pro second serve they're they're accelerating just as fast if not faster that acceleration is just going into creating speed i'm sorry, geez spin and not so much speed so there's a lot of action on a professional level second serve a lot of kick a lot of spin and that's created only by acceleration a lot of acceleration just over and over and over and over again <clears throat> And one more uh, thing that Amadou pointed out was uh, he was amazed at how much a short ball just kills you. I mean, if you put the ball close to the service line and it doesn't have a lot of pace and or spin, your opponent will step into the court. They will take it early and they will punish you for it. So the, the quality of your just average shot has to be so high at that level. And as you move up in level, as a, as a club player, these, these same truths exist. If you want to be a, a 4-5 or or a five zero player, you have to learn how to accelerate freely and loosely and relaxed at, at just about every shot, certainly rally ground strokes, certainly uh, first and second serves. And so there's a lot of fitness. There's a big element of fitness to it, even at a high club level, but so much more so at, at the pro level. It's really amazing. So bottom line is this. If you have yet to go to a pro tournament at all, you must go to one. If you have yet to go to a pro tournament and see players up close, I like go to an outside court so that you can get right next to the, the court and, and watch it court level, you know, at the same level as the players, more more or less. It's a whole nother experience. Like If the only thing you've done is go to the U.S. Open and sit in Arthur Ashe, just about anywhere in Arthur Ashe, uh, then you're still not getting the full effect. Uh, You At some point in your career, if you're truly a fan of the sport and you you love working hard at it, then you will get so much inspiration and motivation from watching these players play up close at, at court level. And it's such a huge educational experience as well, seeing exactly what they do and how they do it to be able to play at that level. So again, the three main lessons that I took away from uh, the U.S. Open this year. Number one, we all make the same mistakes. Number two, there are so many ways to win, even at the pro level, much less the recreational level. And tennis is incredibly hard. <laughs> and a lot of the takeaways for this, uh, from this for you really could be expectations, which is something I talk about very frequently here on the podcast. I, and really what I believe leads to a lot of frustrations that recreational players face whether it be getting angry on the courts or uh, just being really frustrated that you're not advancing quickly enough i mean really having a full understanding of how much skill this sport takes and how much work it takes to be good at it really should leave you with a lot of respect for the game and um, healthy expectations so that you can really get the most enjoyment out of the sport as possible If I can help you do that just a little bit, then I will have done my job. (laughs) So hopefully you found these points interesting. And uh, hopefully you get a chance to go to a, a pro tennis event in the near future and watch up close as well. It's an amazing, amazing experience. All right, that brings us to the end of episode number 221 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you've left the show a rating and review on the iTunes Music Store, then I want to thank you for making the Essential Tennis Podcast the number one tennis podcast on iTunes. Two uh, people that left reviews most recently, Eddie Up and Waldensian7, I believe, or Walden saying seven, one or the other. Thank you both very much for your recent reviews. I really appreciate it. The, uh, The podcast, by the way, has always been a free instructional resource. It always will be. So if you'd like to help support the show, you can do that by either leaving a rating and review on the iTunes Music Store, which is the number one place in the world to get podcasts, or... You can also donate to the show by going to essentialtennis.com slash donate. With that, I'll wrap up today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Again, please take the podcast survey. If you have a spare 30 seconds today, that's at essentialtennis.com survey. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your time and your attention. Until next time, take care and good luck with your tennis.